Shalom and welcome again to Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm Rabbi Richard Adris, your host and the director of Jewish Sacred Aging. And this podcast is brought to you by bookbaby.com. And we welcome them as a sponsor to our program. And if you have a manuscript, if you're an author and have a manuscript that you want to be published, but don't know how to get it started, Book Baby provides the creative services like editing and design, formatting, printing, and most importantly, they help writers become authors by managing the production, distribution, and payment processing for independent authors. If this is of interest to you, and I know probably some of you may be holding that book and manuscript in that top drawer waiting to find out how to get it published, please call the people at Book Baby 877. 877- 961-6878. That's 877-961-6878. Or go to their website, bookbaby.com. That's www.bookbaby.com. And feel free to tell them that you heard about it on the Secrets of Meeting podcast. And as you know, these podcasts are designed to talk about some of the implications of longevity and the changing nature of our community and its impact upon our families. Uh, and to do so today, we welcome back uh, for a return engagement, um, Rabbi Shmuley Anklowitz, the president and dean of uh, Valley Bet Midrash, uh, to talk about his newest book, um, the Book of Proverbs. Now, he didn't write the Book of Proverbs, just in case you want to just Google him, but we're going to talk about the Book of Proverbs in the Bible, in the Tanakh. Shmuley, Baruch Haba, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, and it is always great to be back with you. Love you and love Jewish sacred aging and this opportunity to be together again. Well, thank you. Thank you. You, you, are, you are very prolific. I think you must be doing like a book a month, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is – and all the work that you're doing with, with, with your work out in Arizona. And, and we should tell people, because this is airing in the, right after, um, after Yom Kippur, Mazel Tov one, you're launching Valley Bed Midrash in – Denver. Denver. So muscle tough on that. You want to talk a little bit about that real fast? Give a little plug for that? Oh, yeah, sure. So our belief is that learning should lead to action and action should be fueled by learning. And so we're building a pluralistic Jewish learning model um, that is interconnected with um, our sense of bringing repair to ourselves, to our families, to our community, to society. And this was uh, started in Scottsdale, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. And we have just expanded to our second city of Denver, of, of greater uh, you know, Colorado. And um, we hope that that expansion will continue. And we look forward to working with congregations of all denominations and Jews of all different backgrounds to see how our Jewish learning can fuel um, a more just holy society. Well, super. And much the Haslachaba and the Denver. Okay. And, uh, and it's really, that's exciting for you and exciting for the communities out there, which I know are growing. Um, yes. Thank you. What, what, what drew you to the book of Proverbs? It's a great book. And as we were talking before, I've taught this book to congregations and lay people always say, wow, we, I didn't know. Is that where that phrase comes from? You know, I thought it was like somewhere in the luft. What drew you to the, what, what, what drew you to the book of Proverbs? Well, firstly, I just want to once again express my gratitude to CCAR Press because I've been so fortunate to have this be my third book I've published with them after the Pirkei Avot commentary and the, uh, the Book of Jonah commentary. Yeah, right. and, 
And um, this, uh, I feel really grateful to the quality of, of team that they're leading. And, um, and I was pleased that they, they, um, they took this on. And um, I would say there's three main reasons I was drawn to Safer Mishle, the book of Proverbs. Firstly, because I really believe that the primary thrust of Jewish thought is the ethical. Uh, now, the ethical and the religious can't easily be unraveled. But I do think that the ethical tradition, that is our responsibility to the other, our character traits, our, um, our sense of, of giving, um, our sense of what is just and kind, um, is really the central thrust of Jewish thought. And that is what the book of Proverbs is obsessed with. It is not a long-winded narrative of relationships. It is not about ritual. Um, it is not, um, and not even so much about God. Now, I love all those things, but I'm very drawn towards the ethical. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that very few people, as you said, um, have read the book of Proverbs. Maybe they've heard of it. Maybe they've heard a line or two, right? But it is not built into the Jewish calendar. If we're going to read Jonah on Yom Kippur, if we're going to um, read Esther on Purim, um, if we're, we have a bunch of books that are attached to holidays, and um, the book of Proverbs doesn't make it, um, and for a whole, a whole bunch of reasons. And so I think that we should, we should learn the books of Tanakh, um, and especially those we, we know very little about. But the third reason is because I think, the, I think the book is very simple. It's very simple. And I think that as 21st century American Jews, we're very good at the complex. We're good at uh, neuroscience um, and, and technology and a thousand relationships on social media. We're used to thinking about foreign policy. We, we, we're going to double check what our doctor says because we have access to the data also, right? We live in the world of complexity, many of us, most of us. Right. But I think we struggle to live with simple truths, simple truths. And the book of Proverbs is constantly reminding us of simple truths and telling us how we have to not only know them, but really infuse them into our lives. Do you think people, you know, just to pick up on what you just said, do you think people now, generalization, yes, shy away if it's too simple, they expect something to be so complex that when you present a passage from the book of Proverbs that is short, simple, and to the point, they say, well, you know, how, how meaningful can we look? It's just like, it's like a haiku. You know, um, yeah, right. Yes, exactly. I love that. So firstly, let me backtrack for a moment to say one way to read the text is on the, on the level of the simple. The other way to read it is on the level of stirot. There are many contradictions in the text. And once you see those contradictions in the Hegelian philosophical tradition, you can take the thesis and the antithesis, the two contradictory verses, right, and right. then have a synthesis, then have a higher truth that emerges. And so I do think that one could engage the text in the realm of complexity. That said, um, on the realm of the simple, I think that we are trained, and for, for better, to be skeptics, right? We, are, we don't want to be sold a bill of goods, right? We are very concerned about absolutism, about fundamentalism, about absolute truths. And so we swung to the opposite extreme of being hyper-relativist, not believing anything, not believing anyone, right? Being questioning everything and everyone. And I think that um, 
that some truths feel so obvious that even them, we kind of want to deconstruct them and break them down. And I think that this, the text moves us in a, in a healthy direction of saying, yes, we should be skeptical, but also like, do we really not believe in the power of love, in the power of giving, in the power of, uh, of, of taking a cheshbon a nefesh, a self-accounting on how we're living with integrity? Right? It is a work of musar, a work of midot, a work of pushing us to think about our character on the level of the simple. Um, and I think that that is hard for some. I think you're exactly right. So you, know, you, you mentioned before this, the idea of, of and when you were talking about what the, the, why we're drawn to Proverbs and also the expansion into Denver about teaching. So you, you have in one of the sections, and I want to get into that in a minute, about it's entitled, it's entitled "Teach Your Child According to Their Uniqueness," and it quotes about, um, in essence, train your children in the way they ought to go; they will not uh, swerve from it, even in old age. The power of teaching the oral of role modeling, and then you write, I think it's on page three hundred nine. It says, "Thus, I want to suggest three reasons for Jewish communities to flip priorities and focus more on adult." and less on children's education. So I've gotten into a lot of trouble when I say to congregations, when I go out and teach them that the Judaism is not for children. But really, you know, it once you've been around the block a couple of times, you begin to understand the power of the text. So talk to me a little bit about the way you understand, because you're modeling this, obviously, but I think it's important for people to understand exactly what the idea that that you can't ignore for example the population of jewish sacred aging um and allow and they're coming back to the text more so than anything else talk to me about that yeah totally i love it so um one of the common questions i get and you probably um gotten even more times than me is rabbi how do i get my kids or my grandkids to love judaism <laughs> and my answer is always you have to love it. What do you do? If you're sleeping in the Yom Kippur seat, if you're not going to Torah study, if you think it's just for them, of course they're not going to have any interest, right? If they see that you love it and live it, then they can even trust the integrity of you putting them in the, into these programs. That's why I believe adult ed is so much more important than child education. Of course, the, ch the child education is important. But first and foremost, if our parents and grandparents um, are not engaged um, and are not educated, then there's there's very little hope for that next generation, even if we think we put them in, in the, the best million-dollar answer program that, that's out there, the best camp or the best synagogue, right? So I think it starts with us. And um, so that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing around this children and uniqueness and not swerving from the path, I think that it goes along with this first point that we've thought about kind of exporting the responsibility, the rabbi, the Sunday school, the camp. It's their job to educate. Right. right? Um, and not necessarily not necessarily my own, but actually they won't swerve from it. If we really build it in a holistic way into our home, now everyone thinks that, oh, geez, I got to be religious now. That's not what I'm saying at all. Being religious, however, we understand that to mean, right? It means that the Jewish values that we cherish most, and there's so many of them, that we build them and integrate them deeply into our homes and into our lives. And not only that we live those values, but we have a culture of learning, a culture of learning in the home. Yeah, it's, 
always remind and every colleague who's had this, you know, the bar mitzvah family comes up on Friday night to light the candles and the, one of the parents turn around and says, if, even after the two rehearsals, well, well, what do I do? Is it the same thing you do every Friday night? And you have this blank look on your face as if you're talking like from the bit gotten dropped down from the pod, from the, uh, from the uh, spaceship. It, it's, it's fascinating. And that's why I wanted to, to ask you that as a follow-up, but also you don't, you, you organize the book in a certain way, not by chapter in the book of Proverbs, but thematically, why? Well, so um, taking a step back here. So I think that in Mishlei, which comes from Mashal, or a story, a teaching, a saying, a proverb, um, even though it also includes poetic units, we're looking at um, fortune cookie teachings. We're looking at ideas that don't require the previous verse or the verse after to have significance. You don't need to know the context of the story, the historical era, or the cultural context, right? You can just look at each verse alone, and that's kind of rare for biblical literature. This is situated in what the academics call the wisdom literature tradition. Right. And right. so um, raising questions of values and moral behavior, the meaning of human life, what is the right conduct, and, um, and how this wisdom tradition plays out. And I think that many people feel far from Jewish learning because they say, I don't know enough to even join. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know the history. I don't even know the cultural context. And, you know, so that's kind of interesting that here we have a book where it's interesting to learn all of that, but you don't necessarily need to know that, right? I, traditionally, of course, we say that King Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech, is the author of three books, Ecclesiastes, which is Kohelet. Shir Hashirim, which is Song of Songs, and Mishle, which is which is um, Proverbs. And there's a great debate around which the order of the three he wrote. And we can embrace that tradition while also embracing the academic understanding of multiple authors and the complex history of kind of authorship. Nonetheless, I think um, Shlomo was viewed as kind of the wisest of, of, of kings and, and of Jews to some degree for various reasons. Um, and I think that Part of it, uh, part of wisdom, as, I, as I've experienced it in the world, is going back to a previous theme, is making complex truths accessible and simple. Um, wisdom is to be able to convey things um, that um, are eternal truths or even momentary truths, but in a way that another person can access in a way that's transformative even. And so I think that this book doesn't have to be viewed as a book in its entirety, chapter by chapter but as having unique themes that themselves can resonate. We can pull out those dozen primary themes and, um, and examine them on their own and, and throughout history and in our moment today. Yeah, so if I remember correctly from, from, from my studies, uh, Proverbs represents in that tripartite development of, uh, of Solomon, middle age, the, uh, as opposed to Shir HaShirim with the, of vibrancy and passion of youth, and Ecclesiastes, which we will hit now in Sukkot, um, reflecting back sort of like life review. So here we have somebody in their 40s beginning to confront things that perhaps they thought they wouldn't have to confront, but having lived a little bit enough to understand some of the truths. 
And so you, you encapsulate that in one of the chapters on, on death. The quest for material wealth is ultimately meaningless. And you spin this little midrash about Yankel um, and the worship of that which is, in any case, idolatrous. Talk to me. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, Yankel and that well, midrash? Well, you, you know, I um, thank you. And I, 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 I want to invite you into this conversation because of your Jewish sacred aging work, um, based on what I'm going to say, because you know far more about this than, than me, of course. And w- which is that there is a debate Talmudically about whether Kohelet is last or not. Right. And, um, and according to one view, of course, you're more cynical in older age. Right. And according to another view, no, like, like in the wisdom of older age, you don't find cynicism, but hope. You find meaning, you find um, truth, you find wisdom, and cynicism is for someone who hasn't found that yet. And I think I've met people in their aging journeys, uh, both types, and I, I'm curious to hear from you which you find to be more dominant. And then after you answer that, I'd love to go on to that materialism. That materialism. I find, Shmuley, I find that people age as they've lived. Um. One of the most powerful books I remember reading many years ago is How We Die by the late Sherwin Newland, Dr. Newland. And the thesis of his book is we die as we live. And so there are people who, and this is the fascinating thing about, as you do, working with individual human beings and the fact that you can't overlay any type of stereotype because everybody, as we all know from the Midrash and our own studies and experience is unique. And they bring, and they'll, we bring into aging the life experience, the genetic makeup, which I think is very important, and the family of origin makeup, which is equally important. Uh, and there's a whole theory and formula that I use, which we don't have the time to go into, and this is about you, not me. Um, but I think that's, I think that's, and every rabbi has met with people yes, who have right. age, they say, you know, I have lived a great, I'm hopeful, I'm not afraid. And, other, and that person in the next room or the next visit when you make is said, uh, why is this happening? I'm angry. And I think if you pull back the layers and the layers and the layers, somewhere in that development of their, that human being, the seeds for that are planted. And I do believe that 100%. So I know you're interviewing me and me, not you, but let me ask you a follow-up question. That's okay. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? Can take us on so, the road. Um, <laughs> so somebody, somebody midlife. I don't know what midlife is. Let's let's Neither say somebody I. forty. So let's say they're forty or fifty. You know, um, sixty. You know, um, they say, you know what? <laughs> you keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to um, do my ultimate purpose yet. I'm doing this right now. I'm trying to make a bunch of money. I'm trying to build my career. That really important stuff, I'm going to save that for my 70s or for my 80s. And then I'll have the time and stability to do it. On the one hand, I say, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Like you've got a retirement plan. On the other hand, I say, wait a minute. You age the way you've lived. If you bracket that search for meaning, if you bracket that that quest to serve, um, will it still be alive? And so in your experience, what do you think about this kind of bracketing off period of life? saving it for a different stage. I think it's lovely theoretically. And here's what I think, and it's been my experience in many cases and just in the cohort that we work with in Jewish sacred aging. 
if there comes a period of time in people's lives, it's not, you can't predict it. It could be somebody in their 30s, it could be somebody in their 80s. Um, and it's part of a larger conversation where they come to understand that they don't need more stuff. And what they really need is to begin to understand it's Deuteronomy 30, 19, the B part of the verse, which we just read on Yom. What they need to start collecting is not more stuff, more things. It's the material things that you write about in the, in the book, but they really need to start creating and collecting those memories. And that's, that's a shift. Some people do that shift. Okay. Personally, I'm there right now. I am now at this stage of my life at age 77, really obsessing about this. This is full confession. It's right after Yom Kippur. Right. And there's some people who reach that and they reject it. They say, I, I don't want to deal. It's too frightening to deal. It's too frightening right. to deal. Right. Right. Yes. So that's, yeah. that's why this is the, this is the, the nice stuff about talking about text because ultimately, what you do in Jonah and Pirkei Avod and Proverbs and all of the rabbis who teach text is understand that by when you look, let, when you let the verses la'asok you, as that bracha before study of Torah, when you let that word la'asok b'divrei Torah, when you let the text wash over you and let it be with you, doors, doors to meaning open up. So that's a, a a short answer. I love that. I love that. And I think that move towards internal life um, of meaning making that many feel they're only secure through external security. Yes. Right. Um, and of course, we have to do things to secure ourselves externally. But the deepest security is going to come internally when we can achieve um, a sense of identity, a sense of inner calm, a sense of um, uh, satiation that we have enough that in that inner calm we can relate to that and it's unfortunate that uh, and Proverbs is pushing us in that direction and it's unfortunate that for many it takes um, uh, it takes until their final you know stages of life to kind of get there you know, or it takes some event some random I mean you've, so you've run into a situation somebody dies suddenly or there's an illness and they say oh, I really Fundamentally, and then a lot of people will say, "Well, I'm going to change my life," and then six months later, they've reverted back. It's very, very. But you write about wisdom. You, 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 you write a lot about wisdom in Proverbs, and you have a chapter called "The Basis of Human Wisdom," uh, and you reference Proverbs nine. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, and and the knowledge of God is understanding. And then you talk about this wonderful, and I want to ask you about this. This interpretation of Exodus three, the word ehyeh, which has, you know, Arthur Green's breath, and you 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 channel a little boober in there. So talk to me about how this concept of the beginning of the what is the is it the basis of human wisdom and how that emerges out of the Book of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. You're right that Proverbs is obsessed with wisdom. Not the kind of wisdom that says, hey, I have a doctorate, or hey, I have a rabbinical degree, or hey, I finished the Talmud. It's not, in, there's no end. It's a type of wisdom of, of an integration. That is to say, we say in Musar, the longest path in the world is the path from the head to the heart. It, it's not cognitive. We've moved what, we've, what we know into a way of being, into a way of living in the world. And so wisdom is not a trait in Proverbs. 
Wisdom is ontological. It's a being. Wisdom is praised for her role in creation. God acquired her, she's feminine, acquired chokhmah, wisdom, before everything else. And through her, through chokhmah, God gave order to chaos in the world, tohu vavohu. And since humans have life and prosperity by conforming to this order of creation, in, in this seeking of wisdom is the essence and the whole goal of life ultimately. And so this wisdom is simple, but it's also deep and complex. And um, um, and you mentioned that, you know, um, this God of becoming. And so too, wisdom is not achieved. Wisdom is a pathway towards our own becoming, our own growth, our own aging, our own maturation, our own transformation, that we are never a set being. We are never done but we are constantly on a lifelong journey of, of growth. We're speaking with Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz, the president and dean of Valley Bet Midrash, and um, on his book published by the CCAR Press, available through the press and the great God Amazon, um, and probably in some good bookstores too, on the book of Proverbs. We'll be right back with Shmuley, because I want to come to uh, this section that you write about the care of orphans and children. And I do want to ask you to respond to a little bit of what we did last time you were on about the Yaton thing that you're very, very much involved with because it just flows right out of that. Um, and since we're speaking about books and we are the people of the book, allegedly, I want to be reminding you from Book Baby that self-publishing isn't a one-size-fits-all situation. And you have your own set of goals. And so reaching them requires a unique set of uh, tools. And Book Baby. Book Baby uh, customizes the package that you're working with and makes it easier to decide what your book needs and provides an all-in-one convenient order. And they've helped thousands of authors publish successfully and will be by your side all the way until your book is finished, published, and beyond that. So if you have a manuscript, if you want to talk to somebody about publishing your book and accompany you on this, this miraculous and wonderful journey, give Book Baby a call. 877-961-6878. That's 877-961-6878. Or you can visit them on their website, www.bookbaby.com. That's bookbaby.com. Don't wait. That manuscript sitting in that drawer may be ready to get you out into the public. You write the orphans field ritual ethics and the protection of children um, as part of Proverbs 2310. Uh, this goes along to a whole tradition, as you know, intimately in especially the prophetic tradition of the care for the orphan, the widow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. And also that program that you're intimately involved with. We did this at the last time you were with us uh, several months ago on Yatom, because they do come together there. Great, great. So the, the, um, as we know, the three come together um, so often in the Torah, the Ger, the Yatom, and the Amana, the stranger, the vulnerable child, and the widow, that this person who is stateless as a refugee or an asylum seeker or a convert um, needs our attention. This widow, who at least in ancient society, although there's more to say about our day, who didn't have um, 
her basic needs or protections met, and the yetom, the vulnerable child who has lost one or both parents and doesn't have that love, doesn't have that care, doesn't have that security that is needed. And our tradition is obsessed with this child, obsessed with making sure this child has a home, has a family, has education. And it's not only that child in um, particular. And on, Tish, on Tisha B'Av, when we read the book of Echa, of Lamentations, we say, Yetomim Hayinu, we were we are all like, we, we are all like orphans. Um, we, we were all like, that on some degree, we have all been orphaned. We've all been abandoned. So there is an existential teaching there in addition to the moral one. But here, I think the book of Proverbs is reminding us that wisdom um, is not only meaningful. It's not only true. It, um, it also um, has to be moved towards chesed, towards kindness. And kindness can be showed in so many different ways towards so many different people. And one of the ones that Proverbs wants us to think about consistently is this child in need of, in need of a home. Not only because they have human dignity in their own right, but also for the stability of our society. That children who are not cared for will end up on the wrong path, and that's bad for everyone. In America, for example, the, the, the odds are very high if a child ages out of the foster care system that they will end up in one of three pipelines, prison, homelessness, or um, child trafficking. Um, very high. That is to say we care about them primarily because of them. They are created in the image of God, but also that many of our societal problems are connected to our inability to care for children. So, and, and mention the Yatom thing too, because I want to make sure you give that a plug. Great. So great. So, so um, we lead an effort called Yatom, where we are working to mobilize the American Jewish community to support vulnerable children. We have a family fellowship where um, uh, we incentivize families who have always wanted to foster and or adopt um, to engage in that process where we give them education and a stipend and, um, and a community. We have a, um, a micro grant program where we offer stipends to those who are already in the work of foster and adopt or in the lifestyle, we should say, and need support. And we offer um, advocacy and education. Um, there's been discrimination cases where Jews have been discriminated against um, or LGBT populations who've been discriminated against or the like. And so um, we are trying to make sure that on the American Jewish radar is this issue of supporting the Yato. If somebody wants to contact you about this, where, how do they do this? Because I want to make you. sure people, this is Thank you very so much. Yatom.org, Y-A-T-O-M, or you can email us at yatom613 at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks, Shmuley. Thank it, you. The, the, as you've alluded to, and as you go through this book, and if you, those of you who have the chance to study the book in depth, both Shmuley's book and the book of Proverbs, there's a lot in there that is extremely relevant. Some people will say this is just right out of a headline. So one of the sections that you write about is called the middle path, the obligation to avoid extremism, channeling maybe a little Maimonides. But the 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 text in 427 is do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your feet from evil. One doesn't have to go very far by looking at the front pages of any newspaper or perhaps some cable TV about notice that we're we're living in the lands of extremism, both all over the map. 
Walk me through this. Why is this? This could be one of the most powerful little lines in the entire book and extremely, it's a high holiday sermon waiting to be preached maybe for next year. Yeah. So I think first on the psychological level, I I appreciate you bringing this up so much, um, is um, how unhealthy it is to live on a bandwagon of conformity, um, of uncritical thinking, of essentially buying into the zeitgeist, whatever is kind of being um, loudest or most popular or most new, us all adopting that. If everything we believe um, Jewishly about, about our tradition happens to perfectly line up with everything a political party says, I think we've kind of missed what Judaism is about. Um, you know, that's not to say we can't lean liberal or lean conservative, but if ultimately um, Judaism is no more or our minds are no more than what, than what, um, what the ideology of our day is. And so I think that is spiritually deadening to not be alive and seeking meaning, seeking purpose, asking questions, reading conflicting ideas. And so for a spiritually meaningful life, for an intellectually honest life, I think we, we have to um, steer away from the bandwagons of extremes. But also, I think it's one of the greatest threats of our time is um, that the extremes of religions, the extremes in politics, the, the, the desire for purity um, and certainty uh, really poses an enormous threat. And so Maimonides is dealing with um, the midah, the character trait of moderation, because he thinks we shouldn't eat too much. It's bad for our character. He thinks we shouldn't work too much, um, that we should sleep enough. We should do these things to have balance in our life out of because we should be godly. We should emulate God. And in his imagination, he doesn't want to say anything God is um, in his negative theology. So he can't say God lives with balance. But to some degree, we want to live with halach to bedrachav, emulate divine ways. And one of those ways is the Aristotelian golden mean. And so um, um, so for him, it's character. But for me, I think it's about the stability of our communities and our society at large as well. I want to well get you out of here because and, and thank you again for joining us. So really, this is an, an much, much joy and happiness and luck with Denver and, and, and with the book. But a good coda to this conversation would be the the section that you write on the resilience of the human spirit and the the text. The person's spirit can endure an illness, but low spirits who can bear them. It's 1814, not the year, but the, the, the citation in the book of Proverbs. This idea of resilience, we, we come across it a lot in the work with Jewish sacred aging for a whole lot of reasons. But this is a, and it, this, this goes in, I think, with what you said maybe a half an hour ago about the, the ability to hope. Um, and, and just talk to me about how the book of Proverbs talks to me about resilience. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So firstly, I do believe that um, an unhealthy form of resiliency is one which is hyper-independent. Um, my resiliency is about me. Um, I do think that a crucial part, as we know, of surviving and thriving is about relationships and is about our codependence, our interconnectedness, our community, our taking care of each other. Watching someone in my family who is struggling with health, I see both her resiliency, but not only her independent resiliency, 
her relational ability to maintain relationships where there is care infused into them to take care of each other. Um, so I, so I just want to say that. And then I think secondly, um, and this is where Proverbs can be of assistance to us is, um, that a big part of our, um, resiliency is, um, about doing the consistent work and the consistent learning. It's not like we're born resilient or we cultivated it 20 years ago. It's a lifelong work. And, and the Proverbs doesn't only say teach the child and they'll never stray, but also continue in your work, continue in your community building work, in your learning, in your, in your relational development, so that you can continue to grow and survive um, and continue to make meaning because it's going to be different, your meaning this year than from last year. And that resiliency is going to be found in an internal strength. Um, at, at times when our physical strength may, may be waning or a time where our, um, our external securities may, uh, may be weakening. And so um, I can think of few things more important than this project of giving other people hope in their own search for resiliency and strengthening our own. Uh, amen. It's a good place. So thank you. Thank Rabbi Shmuley Yaklowitz, uh, President and Dean of uh, Valley Bet Midrash. Um, Shmuley, as usual, thank you very much for a lovely conversation. Much luck with the book uh, and with the expansion into Denver. Just stay healthy, you and your family, and, and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to our next conversation. Uh, good luck with the next book uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the CCAR Press. Again, Proverbs, CCAR Press, available through the press, uh, CCAR uh, press and also uh, through Amazon and good bookstores um, around North America. To all of you, thank you for joining us today on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Uh, a thank you to uh, bookbaby.com for sponsoring us. And if you'd like to become a sponsor of uh, a month-long series of podcasts, please email me rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. And you could also use that same email if you have a question, a suggestion for future podcasts or programming. Um, visit us at our website, jewishsacredaging.com and on the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. We invite you to um, join us and we look forward to hearing from you. And once again, Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies in beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. To all of you, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Adras. And until we see each other again on our next Seekers of Meaning podcast, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourself, be kind. Toda. Shalom.